Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast with Dr. Stylianos Kabakis. Dr. Kabakis is a data scientist, statistician, and blockchain expert with a mission to educate the public about the wonderful capabilities of technologies like AI, data science, and DLTs. These technologies have the potential to transform the world, the economy, and our lives. However, there is too much misinformation around tech, and so most people are just confused about what is true and what is not. Whether you are a CEO, an entrepreneur, or just an enthusiast, the Data Scientist Podcast helps you separate reality from hype. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast. Today, we have Ruben Sardarian, a data strategy and executive coach in Toronto. Welcome, Ruben. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me, Stilios. My name is Ruben, and I'm a strategic advisor on the data strategy side. So I advise executives on high-level enterprise data strategy, and essentially I help them align the various forces in the organization using data as the medium. So I provide a view of data economics, both inside and outside the organization, how data works, how it creates value, and I help them create a view of data life cycles separate from technology life cycles. So that allows them to, in a sense, future-proof their businesses because technology comes and goes and data stays. So it's very, very important for every organization today to have a strategy of how they treat their data assets, what they do with data, and to look at it kind of apart from what's happening with the tech. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very interesting. So in terms of data strategy, you know that I've also been doing some work in this area. Do you feel that it is a popular field? Is it recognized as a thing? Or do people often confuse it with, I don't know, just data science in general or data science services? I think it's a great question. So data strategy, I think it's gaining momentum, definitely, mm-hmm. as a field, but it's still being defined what it is. Yes. So a lot of times when I see people talking about data strategy, to me, it looks more like data tactics because people are looking for it's like data strategy in a pocket of a company. It's definitely like lots of people talking about data strategy. They're not looking at the big picture. So they're thinking mm-hmm. about, okay, how do we implement a data warehouse or an analytics platform or, you know, like like build a machine learning posture, data science posture, but they don't necessarily look how holistically what happens with the information or why. Mm-hmm. My definition of data strategy is that it is a set of values, rules and principles that enable and inspire the overarching organizational strategy, business strategy. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's, it's, and it's high level intentionally because let me explain it in such a way that, that so I look at the modern organization as a very complex computer where there's lots of systems constantly generating and transforming data, lots of systems and people. People are also changing the system. So it's essentially this supercomputer, a very, very complex system, even like moderately sized organization, like mid-sized organization, it's a very, very complex computer these days. Mm -hmm. So I look at data strategy as rules of how this computer is being built, Mm -hmm. how you align the various moving parts, processes, systems, So if you have good rules, you end up creating an elegant and efficient computer. Mm -hmm. If you don't have rules, if if it's a free-for-all, then you end up creating something very inefficient with lots of duplication, lots of moving parts that don't talk to each other. So imagine Mm -hmm. like if it was a a system, a computer or a microchip, whatever, it's a complex system where 
designers of different components didn't speak about that, right? So in, in a sense, kind of, it's, it's very kind of close. It has a lot of interaction, it intersection with like enterprise architecture fields and kind of business architecture fields. But architecture, if it's not based on data, that architecture it never works, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like selecting whether you're going to buy a plane, a car or a rocket or a train before knowing what you're going to transport <laughs> and, and where, yeah. right? So, so the architecture has to be derived from your data lifecycle. So, so if you flip the whole picture and you put your data lifecycle first, uh, then you look after technology, architectures, then the decisions become streamlined. About yeah. the decision, the decisions about the technology. So, in a sense, do you know the Kinevin framework? Right? I think it's mm. spelled as Seinfin, but it's like I think it's Welsh for Kinevin. Basically, it's a framework about decision making. Okay. I'm not going to go into details on it right now, mm-hmm. but to me, a sound data strategy it makes decisions simpler in that framework, right? So it's, it, it yes. makes them from like complex. Too complicated from complicated to simple kind of it, it brings yes. them down a level yeah so that's that's how i look at the whole field of data strategy does that answer the question yeah that's a very extensive answer and also like one term you used data tactics what do you mean by that yeah. can you elaborate a bit on this so i guess yeah tactics would be for me the usage of information in pockets like for me implementing a data warehouse would be a tactic Yes. or bringing and creating any data products, data pipelines, or even implementing specific policies like data governance, data management. So this would be tactics. These are things that are often required. Lots of companies need them. They need to be in place for certain things, but this doesn't give you the big picture. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. So that's the difference between strategy and, and tactics. That strategy is about the big yeah. picture, is about where you want to be in the next two to three, four, five, ten years, whereas tactics is about, oh, should I go with this vendor or this other vendor, right? Yes, yes. And the time horizon as well, yes. So strategy is more long-term. Yeah, no, this makes perfect sense. And do you feel that most of the companies that you're engaging, do they really understand what data strategy is about or do they like, because what what I've seen is that quite often, many clients, they really want some data science services and Mm-hmm. then they might realize they need some data strategy. So are there like people who approach you and they're like, hey, we need a data strategy? To say the truth, most people that approach me, they just want to do more and better with data, right? Mm-hmm. So in a sense, not everybody again is aligned regarding the term. Some people have heard the term data strategy and they understand different things. Some people, they just want to do it. You put the pieces together for them. You say data strategy is strategically thinking about your data and how you extract value from from it. And then things start falling into place. Some people approach me just to help with, you know, like productizing data. And so they want to create a bunch of data products or they want to see what are other ways to extract value from the information they already have. Mm -hmm. So I help on that front and sometimes it's on efficiency. So I would say people who are in the high level data strategy field, they play both offense and defense. Yeah. Offense meaning like helping companies to grow their revenues, increase or find new streams of revenues and defense being like making things more efficient, saving costs, like mainly things have to do like with internal management. 
Yeah, I think there was this article on Harvard Business Review talking about this, right? Yes, yes, yes. There's a kind of well-known article that talks about the, the two approaches. Yeah. Offense versus defense, yeah. And do you think that data strategy is relevant only for organizations that have reached a certain scale? Or do you think that it's also relevant for startups and smaller businesses? I think it's relevant for absolutely all organizations today mm-hmm. because every business is a data business today. Yeah. And earlier you start thinking strategically about your, well, pretty much most important asset. Probably after people, I would say data is the most important asset in the organization. That's mm-hmm. second most important. So if you strategically don't think about that asset, then you're likely going to be outcompeted by companies that are data competent, data savvy. And with the, the thing with startups is that lots of startups, they start as very, you know, data centric enterprises, very focused, and they have like a very small footprint when it comes to data initially. And then when the company grows, it grows in an uncontrolled manner. And new people yeah. come in, they start bringing in new systems. I probably need to talk about the concept of data centric. Yes, this is one of my favorite topics. I've also written a few posts about this and it's in my book, like differences between being data centric, data informed, data driven. Yeah. So my definition of data centric is that data centric is an organization that has a single data model. Mm-hmm. Essentially, not necessarily, it's not one, one place where data is, but it's, it's one model. Meaning if you have information about your customers, you have it modeled in such a way that it's uniform across the organization. Yeah. It can be spread over a number of systems. It can be federated, doesn't matter, but it's one model. So lots of companies, they start as a startup, as a data-centric company, but then they become system-centric. And that's the problem, I think, with Mm. 99% of companies today, because historically companies evolved to be system-centric or app-centric. Mm. So they just keep adding systems like, you know, CRMs and ERPs and different cloud SaaS systems. And companies don't realize the price of complexity that brings. So essentially that it becomes the job of data professionals and IT professionals to create integration, to build this lots and lots of duplicates <laughs> of data. So to me, that's a problem that most companies have today. It's a... Uh, increasingly growing problem because data grows exponentially and companies that don't realize this they're going to pay the price they're already paying a huge price for this yeah yeah no that's a very good point and talking about all those things i was wondering whether you'd like to share with us maybe some case studies maybe a case study where everything went very smoothly everything was perfect and then a case study where things you know from the onset were you know, bad or maybe even funny in some cases. I have some funny case studies, you know, where I started working on something and then realized that, you know, the data was referring to something else and no one had realized it, this sort of thing. So any any stories like this to share, like both good and bad? Oh, well, I've spent 12 years working at a brokerage in Canada at a financial company that we took from a startup to being really number one on the market, like like many, many parameters. So I've seen <laughs> many, many things in that company. I essentially grew the data and analytic posture there. I was the, the head of the data and analytics being responsible for everything from like engineering to management, mm-hmm. a number of different areas. And 
I would say there are lots and lots of things that I saw that can go wrong with mm -hmm. data. But main thing is, I think, the adoption of technology grows so fast, right? So there is this disconnect between thinking in terms of data life cycles, this kind of keeping the central data model, and companies wanting to move fast to adopt new systems, new products, new new services. Yeah. Right? So when you have one database or a handful of databases, things are very sim simple. When you have hundreds of databases and hundreds of, of systems, which is yeah. the case all large financial organizations, essentially like 40 to 70% of your IT costs be become integration and maintaining these different data marts, data warehouses, yeah. data lakes, all of this infrastructure, just to synchronize the main points around your data. Yeah. So for me, it's probably easier to name something that I didn't see because like I've seen so, so many things like in the financial world and not just at the company I worked at. I'm kind of, I've seen how it worked in the banks in Canada with a few clients that I consult. Rarely in real life, things work out perfectly. Because yeah, of the, that's true. Because there, yeah, because there are always people that are coming and going, mm -hmm. and there are political wars, turf wars on top of that kind of top mm -hmm. of the organizations. So those things, they are, I think, like people problems, are number one reason for any failures in the data world. And mm -hmm. I guess the companies that are good at overall, you know, accountability, companies that are good at change management, you know, driving the change from mm -hmm. top down the org. They do well with data and analytics related initiatives. They do well with digital transformation programs, things like that. And companies that have a, a bit of like a political turmoil, which is kind of most probably mid-sized and obviously like all the large organizations, they have that component. Mm -hmm. So it comes to people. So organizations that are lucky to have very charismatic and dedicated and focused leaders who are visionary and who can align people around them to move this agenda. They're way ahead of companies that keep going through this like turf wars and keep going through, you know, day to day trying to kind of chase the things in different directions. Yeah. I would say if the company makes a conscious decision to create a data office, like have a chief data officer reporting to the CEO, and mm -hmm. it makes a conscious decision to align. So this this office is essentially aligns all the other functions in the organization, like between IT and business. I hate that division, by the way, yeah. but like different different functions in the organization. The only thing that they share is data. They share the same data about the customers, vendors, partners, suppliers, products. So this is very, very important that everybody speaks the same language. Mm -hmm. It's very important that everybody follows the same rules, same principles, especially people who are modifying the computer, <laughs> especially yeah. people who are building systems or building processes, especially people that have the power to change the rules of how data is generated or captured. Mm -hmm. So these need to be aligned. And have you encountered any organizations that, I mean, they must be out there, but I'm just asking about your experience that put data first to the extent that you know you mentioned about people you know coming and going in a company sometimes people are leaving maybe the culture is slowly shifting so have you noticed any organizations that are data first or at least they have a set of principles yes. and we're like these are our principles and so we're not deviating away from them regarding data science yes 
for sure there are such corporations. They're on the smaller side. So I know a couple of companies that are relatively small, like a few hundred people, but their CDO is really the key person in the organization. Mm -hmm. And data is very clearly the asset number one on everybody's mind. And it doesn't matter the role in the organization. So they have trainings as part of company onboarding that mm -hmm. make, make people aware of everything they need to know about the data landscape and how to participate in these things. They have very, very strong metadata management posture, like mm -hmm. I would say leading metadata management posture. In some cases, organization, it was, it's almost like your business is coded in metadata, but they have a very, very firm grip on absolutely all the data that's generated inside your so all the systems and applications and processes, they are mandated, for instance, to publish to a common metadata repository in a mm -hmm. unified format. And so publishing metadata and reading metadata is a mandated activity throughout the organization. So I've, yeah, I, I have a few examples on the large company side. I think it's just like too much politics to align everybody at the top, but yeah, I think everybody realizes the value of data today. <laughs> It's just a matter of making things more efficient. Can I ask you something for those of us who maybe are not familiar with this? What do you define by metadata? Uh, well, short answer is data about data. <laughs> it's all the different attributes that describe data, what it means, how is it used, where is it kind of coming and going from. So information called lineage, the relationships between data. There are different types of, but there are like huge articles on Wikipedia about metadata. Yeah. But a very, very simplified answer is that you can compile this data about data into like a large knowledge graph mm -hmm. that essentially describes how your, all the other data in the organization, like all your different databases, your different data pipelines, systems, and information about roles and responsibilities on that data is also metadata like who's responsible yeah. who are the owners people responsible for modifying the systems and i'm not a fan of kind of the owner terminology but mm -hmm. different roles that people play essentially yeah 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 great okay thanks i think this has been you know fairly enlightening for many executives and other kinds of professionals dealing with data before we go, do you have any like general comments or, or anything to add? Not really. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been great chatting with you, Stilos, and I encourage everybody just to invest more in making their organizations more data aware. So invest in data literacy throughout the org, train more people in various disciplines when it comes to data, and most importantly, have a strategic approach to how you're dealing with data, have a plan that will help you align all the various great minds around your organization. Yeah, I think that's a very well said, uh, Ruben. I completely agree with you. This is something which I've been promoting through my own work because, you know, as a data scientist, as I was saying earlier to you before this call, that what I've noticed is that many times companies want to, to work with me or they want to work with data scientists in general, but then they have not made the right steps in order to work with data or a data scientist in the right way. And I think that as companies understand this need and the challenge around creating a data-centric culture, data strategy will become more and more accepted. So my personal opinion is that we may be in, definitely not in the late stages of adoption, if I'd say we're a bit like in the early stages, stages of adoption. So data strategy, what we do is a bit of a niche, but we know that 
it's going to become more popular because it's so valuable, right? Yeah. Well, every business is a data business today. That's it. Correct. There's no, there's no, no matter way the size back. as well. Could be startups, yes. can be a big company. Yeah. Yeah. It's whether you realize it or not. There's companies that realize it and approach it strategically. They are much better positioned to outcompete everybody else. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. That, that's a hundred percent true. So, for anyone who's listening, if you're running your own business or if you're involved on, you know, on the executive level or in other levels, like maybe you're just a product manager, in, whether it's a startup or a big organization, hopefully some of the things we discussed have resonated <laughs> with you because yeah, it, it's very difficult for anyone to say that they're not handling data. Like you're saying, every day, every business is a data business by definition because the more the data is becoming easier and easier to produce, but also their products are you know, being created around data and services around data, which make it easier for any kind of business to do something with this data, yes. right? So, so data essentially can provide an advantage to any business. And eventually, if you're not going to do it, then your competitors will, will do it. And what I've seen with my own work at least is that quite often things like data strategy help a lot avoid leaving value on the table, right? Like you you look into what you did three years ago and you're like, oh, I should have done things in a different way because this and this, you know, happened and, you know, basically we could be in a better spot now. Yeah. Well, you're doing an absolutely fantastic job evangelizing this concept <laughs> and, you know, spreading the light. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in, in the power of data science. And then I realized that, you know, quite often many of the problems that businesses face, they're not data science problems per se, they're data strategy problems. Yeah, and even, they're, they're not even data strategy problems, they're like people thinking problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It relates to the human factor. Great, so if someone yeah. wants to find more about you, where, where, where should they go? Like Twitter, website? Um, I'm active on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. My company's name is Infocratic and the website is infocratic.io or just Google it. And you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm most active there. I also run a weekly data strategy club on a Clubhouse platform. And that's pretty much everywhere <laughs> where I'm active. <laughs> great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Ruben. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone. Make sure to go to the datascientist.com for more content around data science, AI, and blockchain. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit thedatascientist.com for more content about data science, AI, and blockchain.